This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, this is Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chuilin. Tonight, a discussion on the stigma surrounding mental health. This is, of course, because today is World Mental Health Day and, in fact, several ministers, including the Prime Minister, wore green ribbons in solidarity in Parliament. So we thought we'd take the time to discuss it and we'll be speaking with a therapist to talk about how this stigma has shifted over time and really whether things have, in fact, changed in our country. So we want to hear from you. Is there still stigma around mental health? Do you find people are more comfortable talking about it now? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Send us a voice note on WhatsApp at our mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08 and as we said, today is World Mental Health Day and in fact, this year's theme is Mental Health is a Universal Human Right. Um, Really, something that doesn't need to be said, right? Uh, Now, Prime Minister Anwar Ibrahim, um, along with wearing that green ribbon as a symbol of his support to mental health awareness, also talked about um, the reduction of stigma because he called on the public to stop the stigma associated with mental health problems. Yes, and... uh, So that's one part of it. That's, in fact, the main part of it. But it's also worth saying that uh, he also said today that the government would be establishing a mental health institute to deal with the increasingly worrying issue in the country. Now, if we look at um, what's been put out there in terms of mental health stats, the health minister in 2022 did say that of that 70% of almost 337,000 people in two territories, Kale and Putrajaya, faced mental health issues primarily caused by things like high cost of living as well as relationships with parents and their peers. So I remember that being reported at the time as uh, as cause for concern. And we also have things like... Um, an 81% increase of suicide cases um, if you look at 2021 in comparison to 2020. In 2021, it was also found by the Malaysian Mental Health Association that an estimated one in five Malaysians will experience a struggle with their mental health in their lifetime. Um, And meanwhile, a study by the uh, Ministry of Health in 2017 uh, found that approximately 29% of adults aged above 16 um, are experiencing mental health challenges. So, Actually, um, according to a lot of statistics that we currently have, uh, mental health challenges are actually the second largest health problem after heart disease in Malaysia. So I think I want to... The things that interested me about this, right, um, is the difference between intention and reality. Because I think the truth of it is that a lot of people have very good intent around mental health. Um, In other words, you want to be supportive, you want to be empathetic, you want to be open uh, to discussions about it. But I think that we're also seeing that in in the moments where the line crosses over from intention into reality, that those get tested and challenged quite early. And it's, I think, probably because we have a lot of um, preconceived notions surrounding it, right? Like, I think that I think that a lot of people would still find it challenging, for example, to hire somebody who says outright, I want to tell you that I have mental health difficulties. Let me talk you through it. Um, And while that is, you know, um, in theory, again, 
if you want to talk about removing stigma, that's an important part of it. I imagine that there are many workplaces in which actually that's a very difficult conversation to have. And it's likely to influence it's likely to influence your odds negatively. Yeah, it's it's when we talk about destigmatizing um, mental health, uh, the conversation around mental health, even for someone to come out and seek help, let alone yeah. to talk about it in places like a workplace or a relationship for that matter. Um, the challenges are, of course, that on the one hand, for so long, these are things that nobody spoke about. Um, and then there are the frankly, extremely negative ideas and portrayals around what a mental health challenge or issue could be, uh, which ranges from, you know, flippantly just saying, you know, or you're crazy, um, to saying, oh, you just need to get over yourself. Go out and get some fresh air. So there are, there are many challenges in terms of why a person, um, even within their close social circles, may feel deeply uncomfortable saying that they might need help or they might be struggling, even to the point of even admitting it to themselves. It's several layers. Uh, it's whether or not you're admitting it to yourself or the people around you. But then say you've already sought help, um, do you then talk about the fact yes. that you've, you have you have help? Uh, do you talk about the fact that you are on medication? You know, there, there are so many things and the, and the reasons for not wanting to are multiple, but stigma is a huge part of it. So today we are going to be talking about that stigma around um, mental health. Um, it's a call that even the Prime Minister talked about today uh, to destigmatize um, mental health challenges. We want to hear from you. Is there still stigma around mental health? Do you find people are more comfortable talking about it now? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Business. Finance and music. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. It is 6.16. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're marking World Mental Health Day by talking about uh, destigmatizing uh, the conversations around mental health. Um, and in fact, actually, the issue of mental health, being able to seek help in all layers of life. We want to hear from you. Is there still stigma around mental health? Do you find people are more comfortable talking about it now? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, you know, the thing about um, this issue of uh, are people finding it more comfortable to talk about mental health now um, I would say that at least on a on a perhaps superficial anecdotal level, I do think there are more conversations happening. Um, certainly among my uh, social circle, even amongst my uh, family or relatives, I think there is a willingness to listen and perhaps to extend some amount of understanding. But I'm not sure that that necessarily means overall things have become easier or that much easier. Yeah, actually, there, there's something else I wanted to talk about here, which is that I... I think that there is definitely an increase in people talking about it, um, whether or not it's been in, um, wh whether or not it's on social media, whether or not it's in person, that there is definitely an increase in mental health awareness. I'm curious, alongside this question about stigma, whether or not that's meant that you think about your own mental health differently. Because what I can say is that if I look at the conversations that I have with my, um, you know, with the people in my life who I know have previously been resistant to, to talking about mental health or who may have been quite quick to use words like crazy um, or, uh, or 
for example, describe how they're feeling as sad rather than maybe having a little more nuance. Um, I've noticed that there's been an increase in emotional vocabulary. And I, I wonder how much that has changed the way people think about their own mental health or like recognize what's happening. No, that's absolutely it, right? I think if, you know, you can, you can be... Um, negative or positive about social media and how it helps when it comes to um, issues of advocacy or creating safe spaces. But I do think one of the things that social media has managed to do is to make these kinds of conversations more accessible. Um, uh, what was the phrase you used? The emotional language to describe certain issues or certain challenges. I do think that it helps because it it at least normalizes these conversations for people and uh, basically makes it a more welcoming space. That's ideal. Yeah, I think so. So um, to join us on this conversation, uh, we have on the line with us clinical psychologist Sarah Zihan. Sarah, good to have you with us. Hello. Hi. It's nice to be back. So um, this conversation started uh, with the PM uh, earlier today in Parliament talking about um, stopping the stigma associated with mental health issues. From your observation, how has the stigma around mental health shifted over time here in Malaysia? What are some of the main hurdles uh, when it comes to talking about and being more accepting towards mental health? Hmm. I think, you know, in terms of the stigma about mental health, in Malaysia, I think ever since COVID, um, especially in the urban areas, uh, I think the stigma has loosened up a little bit, right? Um, I think at least we don't hear people using uh, dehumanizing terms, as I think that I grew up with, like, you know, in, in the 90s. We don't hear so much the terms crazy or gila being used. Um, I think it is already part of our vocabulary, um, even in, in some of the rural areas, you know, to use words like depressed or murung, right? So people now have uh, different ways, I think, to, to describe the psychological or what we see as like emotional issues rather than I think, dehumanizing or degrading terms that we're using in the past so we don't understand things. Right, and I think that's just the hurdle when it comes to mental health or acceptance of mental health is that it's hard to understand because we can't see it. Right, um, mental health issues, as as you know, is a very uh, debilitating, uh, disabling, sometimes um, kind of illness. Right, where actually depression is one of the top three most disabling illnesses that someone can have. Right, but because you can't. You see, it's not like a broken leg where I know you can't walk because um, your your leg is broken, right? But when you when you know people can't uh, communicate, when people can't bring themselves to, to to go to work or to get out of the house because of how they feel, which is something invisible, so we we don't understand it, and I think that that's what makes it difficult. And uh, have you noticed people having different perceptions based on? Uh, you know, being from a different community or background, for instance, urban versus rural, high income versus lower income, and so on. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, you know, depending on and on background, on like different generations as well. So I think with the urban, um, while we have, um, I suppose, a, a better perhaps awareness, we have the vocabulary perhaps now when it comes to to mental health, we have some education about it. Uh, because I suppose the move in the rural, in the sorry, in the urban areas is more towards individual 
um, sort of values when moving away from community-based values, right, compared to rural areas, where in the rural areas, and and this is something that um, was shown in recent research that was done in Malaysia, where in rural areas, they are more accepting of mental health difficulties because to them, your problem is my problem, right? It's something that, that is a shared responsibility. Right versus, I think, in the urban areas where you, know, you just have to sort of figure yourself out. So there's there's a barrier there, I think, which makes um, acceptance, it makes treatment, the the whole journey a little bit harder. So there's a study um, of Malaysia from 2021 that talks mm-hmm. about rapid cultural changes, uh, you know, due to increased urbanization, globalization, and this was linked with um, the perceived levels of stress. How big a part do the structures of modern life play in our mental health? Mm, yes, I think so. This ties to what I was saying earlier about the, you know, individualistic versus sort of community-based uh, values that we have. So as we become more, I suppose, modern or perhaps globalized, ironically, we are less, uh, that the, the, the values of communities is a lot less. Than, and even though we're connected online, we're less connected with each other, right? Um, and so that, I think, you know, sort of creates, um, again, like I was saying, this, this, this stressor and this, increase, I think, in mental health illnesses, especially in cities, right? And also the values there, and, and I, I suppose the way we live also in cities is, you know, it's 9 to, 9 to 5, 9 to 6, 9 to 7 work, and then we're stuck in traffic, right? The, the same old no work-life balance in urban areas, I think that's what contributes to a lot of stress and to the high rates of mental issues in cities. In your work, what are the different ways that different generations talk and think about mental health? Do you notice a big difference? Yes, definitely. Right. So if we look at, for example, so if we look at the statistics um, of mental health issues, uh, whether it's in Malaysia or any anywhere else in the world, the highest incidences are amongst the young, right? So 16 years old up to about um, 25, right? As well as in the older generations, 60 and above, right? So we have the, the Gen Zs and the baby boomers, right? So the difference in their perspective is, you know, the, the baby boomers grew up in a time where it's about survival, right? You just do what you got to do, you know, you, you have to work to make a living, um, you just strive and, and, and you should be fine. So when it comes to mental health, there's a lot of, um, I think, confusion, definitely a lot of stigma um, and a lot of questions in terms of how did, I, how did I get like this? Like that's what it sounds like, you know, when, when they come into therapy and when they want to learn more about mental health. It's how did, how did this happen? So there's a lot of like not really understanding um, and having difficulty coming to terms that I can't just push through this thing, right? Um, it's not going to go away just like that. Whereas you find in Gen Z or the younger generation, because, you know, I think, I suppose from a young age, they're already exposed to information about mental health from social media. We know that, you know, it's something that's widely talked about on the platforms like TikTok. So they're very well versed in it and almost to a point where how they talk about it is they demand 
um, mental health accessibility. Right? They demand self-care. They demand me time. So that is very, very different. There, we are running out of time, but I did want to talk about internalized mm. mental health stigma, right? Where people face uh-huh. shame about their own uh, mental health issues. How does this factor in? Okay, so definitely this internalized stigma um, becomes very difficult because it prevents people from seeking help, right? So it's really this external stigma which causes internal stigma and Research says the average time that people actually reach out to seek help for mental health issues is actually an average of four years, right? So people actually wait that long um, because of these stigmas. And it goes both ways. Um, if you come from a generation where you just have to sort of toughen up and, and get going, the stigma is, um, I'm so weak, right? Uh, if I if I see a mental health professional, it's like I'm acknowledging that this is my weakness, right? And then that becomes a barrier to seeking help. When, uh, and then on the other side, with the younger uh, generation, where if it seems like mental health issues are widespread, it's common, everyone goes through it, their stigma might be, I'm not as deserving as somebody else, right? And it comes with... The, the disorders that they're faced with because there's, you know, low self-esteem, um, low sense of self-worth. So they might be questioning, like, um, am I deserving of getting help when there's somebody else who's going through uh, something that maybe is worse than what I'm going through? Sarah, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. That was clinical psychologist Sarah Zehan speaking to us about the stigma around uh, mental health. Let us know. Is there still stigma around conversations of mental health, of seeking help? Do you find people are more comfortable talking about it now? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back after the news uh, to look at your messages. So keep them coming and keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Bombing frustrated minds, BFM 89.9. It is 6.38. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about mental health and stigma. It is World Mental Health Day. Um, And so we are asking you, is there still stigma around mental health? Do you find people are more comfortable talking about it now? Actually, I would ask, um, are you more comfortable talking about it now? And in fact, are you more... uh, Okay, I'm just going to say it. Do you think that you're more in touch with your feelings these days now that more people are talking about it? (laughs) Yeah, so send your thoughts through. You can call 777-332-900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a number of thoughts that have come in. Yeah, so let's start with Sean, who says, I recently went to a psychologist to talk about my traumas and about trying to understand myself more. It's good, but I find that it's very expensive. Yeah, this is a common, common uh, refrain, right? That uh, seeking out mental health, seeking out help for mental health can be expensive. I mean, while there are numerous um, affordable uh, programs or or, or centres that are available, um, I think what I remember, uh, this was particularly as we were coming out of the lockdowns, they were very, they were not enough 
And because of how few they were, they were always full. So people were talking about needing to be put on wait lists and so on. So this is a real problem. Yeah, I, I think that um, it's, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to balance out the the need for accessibility and therefore affordability with also paying people what they should be paid. Because of course, um, we are seeing even right now the the effects of perhaps not sufficiently valuing our doctors in the public yes. healthcare field, for example. So you don't necessarily want to go in that direction. But I would like to think that there are ways, maybe co-pays or, you know, something that could help to make therapy more affordable and accessible for a wider group of people. It, I mean, the, the partly the challenge is, of course, and this has been highlighted a number of times, um, a, a real lack of um, a real lack of experts to be able to do the job and a lack of distribution across the country. Uh, because, I mean, if you'd pointed out the doctors anyway are talking about underpaid, uh, overworked and so on, and that's a reality of the public healthcare system. But the public healthcare system should ideally, in theory, have enough mental health professionals to suit the needs of the nation. Yes, uh, but those needs might be changing yes. as we see that uh, increasingly people are facing this. Uh, Samantha says, Hi, um, I have an affirming experience to share. I've always disclosed my anxiety and later clinical diagnosis of mild depressive disorder in employment forms since 2016. And although I was asked about it to varying degrees before I was hired, it doesn't actually seem to have stopped Malaysian companies from hiring me. This includes one of Malaysia's biggest banks and most prominent and prominent media organizations. My depression and subsequent medication has been known to most of my colleagues, but I don't feel like I've been excluded from opportunities at work because of it. I've not asked specifically for mental health days off, but I think I feel like admitting that I'm struggling with it hasn't been affected by stigma. Samantha, thank you so much for messaging in. Um I think you 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 sort of slightly made my day a little bit. It's really nice to hear about positive experiences. Um, you don't hear about them nearly enough. Um, and I think this is a great example of what we should aspire towards. A person who does have mental health challenges being made to feel like they're welcome and valued within the company. And I think... Affirming is such a good word because I think hopefully hearing about this makes it feel more more possible uh, for people to essentially do the same. I think also, um, Samantha, if you'd like to get back in touch, I, I'm curious to know what prompted you to disclose, whether it was just something that you felt was important to say, whether it's um, in the spirit of, of honesty or, you know, just being an open book. I, I'd love to know because I think, I suspect that there are people who are listening who might not have necessarily taken the same course of action for a variety of reasons, including feeling uncomfortable. I also wanted to draw on one thing that uh, Samantha brought up, which is the mental health days. Uh, and Sean talked about um, the cost of mental health, right? And I wanted to link those two together uh, to say that I think one aspect of this is, of course, also uh, for mental health to be recognized as part of a company's health policy, which uh, we are not seeing enough companies do. Um, I do think things like mental health days or being able to take an MC for mental health um, or to be able to claim for mental health 
health under your company's medical plans goes a long way towards destigmatizing what people feel about it. Sure, but on the other hand, we have Benjamin who says, controversial take. I have seen people who seek help after they've tried um, everything to make things work, but the world is moving against them and they're at their breaking point. I have also seen people throw around words like depression and breakdown when they can't get a concert ticket. These two groups of people are in vastly different circumstances and yet at the drop of the word depression, are we to lump them together and treat them the same? Have we gone too far towards the other end of the spectrum and popularised it to be in mental distress and dilute its meaning? Oh, any comment that starts with controversial take um, is always a spicy one. No, you know, Benjamin, actually, you're not alone in pointing this out. I've seen uh, even mental health professionals sort of um, write op-eds or post about how the um, normalising or, or, or rather the adopting of therapy speak and therapy terms. By people who are not qualified. By people who are not experts uh, to refer to more mundane experiences sometimes muddies what people think of as mental health issues. Now, I don't think that necessarily means, though, that just because someone speaks of these challenges in a maybe flippant or not as quote-unquote serious way, it doesn't mean that they're not actually struggling with something. Uh, But I do think that sometimes social media particularly has this impact of flattening everything. And and it, it ends up sort of putting everything into one basket and it gets a bit confusing. Well, I would say it can also be invalidating because, um, I mean, Benjamin, if you feel this way, I think it's worth considering how the people who... um, are in your examples feel, meaning somebody who who has actually really struggled with mental health and how it might feel to look around and see people very casually uh, drop words like like depression. That mm. in and of itself can feel invalidating, especially if it leads to others going, well, I mean, what is it? How, how does this work? So it's, it's definitely worth talking about. I think we've also seen people uh, essentially misuse misuse words and that also contributes to the general sense of distrust that some folks, uh, or maybe societally speaking, we continue to have about mental health. Because that's true, right? I think um, it's the broken leg example that we heard from our guest earlier. A broken leg can be seen, um, but somebody telling you that their mental health is not good, is not visible, and in many ways has to be taken um, by other people, especially people who are less qualified, um, has to be taken on faith. And and I think that that has proven to be a problem too. Yes, it's been... It's also tough, right? Because there's there's a spectrum of what you can consider mental health challenges. On the one hand, you have a diagnosis from a healthcare professional, which can go quite a long way in convincing employers and so on. But on the other hand, how does that, as you said, uh, actually... Actually, how are we so much more accepting of someone saying I had a headache or I had a stomachache, but not that I had a mental health episode? It's a more universal experience, yeah, um, I think is what it comes down to as well, that that most of us have had headaches, stomach aches, um, sprained an ankle, whatever it may be. Um, but not everybody has experienced mental health or conversely, as I'm theorizing, not many people have necessarily recognized that mm. what they're feeling is in fact a mental health struggle. Keep your thoughts coming. Is there still stigma around mental health? Do you find people are more comfortable talking about it now? Are you more comfortable talking about it now? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free minded. BFM eighty nine point nine. 
BFM 89.9, that was Moby with We're All Made of Stars. It is 6.52. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are marking World Mental Health Day today. And we're asking you, are people more comfortable talking about mental health? Have you become more aware of your own mental health? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have uh, some messages that have come in. Naga says. Uh there is still stigma around, though at a subdued level, but there's more awareness. Uh, modern day living subjects everyone to mental stress um, and some succumb to it. Thus, there is more acceptance and sympathy, which leads more to seek help. Oh, that's interesting. I, I suppose that leads back to uh, the more people talking about it, the more people um, acknowledging that this is something we might all collectively struggle with. Uh, Yeah, but I think also um, I'm interested, Naga, in your point about everybody has mental stress and some um, succumb because I wonder whether with more awareness um, or more comfort maybe around this idea that everybody struggles, that maybe we won't view it so much as um, maybe we might be more forgiving of ourselves even Mm. if, if something goes wrong and we feel like okay we need we need help we do have a caller on the line good evening lee what are your thoughts hi good evening oh uh, okay i just want to share my experience as a former mental health patient sure because, uh, long i would say okay actually i was a teenage mental health patient at the time uh so i would just want to tell the public okay in fact Mm, it's good for those who have a uh, mental health issue or maybe feel depressed. Uh, just go and seek help. It will help regardless of whether uh, you're young or old. Because from my side, okay, I was a teenager then. Mm, <laughs> looking back, I have never disclosed that I was a mental health patient. Mm. I was actually, uh, even, okay, I can safely say that I was even taking medication, okay? Medication uh, from the psychiatrist uh, while sitting for public examination. Somehow, okay, I managed to, okay, I performed quite above average. Then I managed to join the workforce while, I mean, while in the workforce or while looking for jobs or this. I have never disclosed that I'm a mental, I was a mental health patient because at that time, I believe that if I state that I have mental health issue before and then I don't think I will be shortlisted for any interview. Okay, no, not to say, uh, that's why all the while I have never disclosed that. In fact, <laughs> I'll be surprised if this any of my acquaintances or friends or former colleagues who happen to be, you know, listening to this program, or <laughs> if they heard of it, they will be also be surprised because I never mentioned about my health issue, mental health issue. Mm. Now, just now, I think I heard, I think these younger generations, I heard, I think they are more open already, a lot of yours, except that uh, there are people with mental health, okay, issue and they are ready to talk about it. So that's my point. I just dis- uh, encourage people who have mental health issues to seek help. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Lee. Um, and thank you for sharing. I think 
I think that's actually such great insight into how someone uh, who's personally been through something like this feels and operates. Yes, and that even in different times where it was actually more challenging to to step out there and get help, uh, it was still helpful. And and that, I think, is the message that I'm taking away from it. No, and, and I think also hearing from, um, I think all these conversations and it being sort of new, um, or quote unquote new anyway, um, I think hearing about um, sitting for a public exam while being on medication, not being able to tell anyone, um, I think that's quite a a sort of a very stark picture of what the reality of something like this is for people who are struggling with mental health. Which is why I'm so curious to know about whether people have become, uh, whether you really fundamentally have become more aware of your own mental health. Because for me at least, um, I, I think I've always been quite aware of of issues surrounding mental health. I've always felt as if I had the vocabulary to, to talk about it. Maybe it's the generation that you and I, Sharmila, belong to, that there was already a growing comfort around it. Um, but I I know people very well, people who are extremely close to me, who only recently identified anxiety or anxious as a word that mm. they would use to describe their mental state. And it's actually been really helpful for them. Um, bec- and they found out about it through movies, actually, yes. yeah. by having characters in movies that had anxiety, it allowed them to go, oh, I see, that's what I'm feeling. Um, And and I think that that's a big part of the awareness that we're talking about. It can sound like a very serious topic, and it is, um, but it's also all the various ways in which awareness gets spread. So keep your thoughts coming. Um, Are people more comfortable talking about mental health? Have you become more aware of your own mental health? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bigotry Free Malaysia. BFM 89.9. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we are marking World Mental Health Day. Um, And also, um, just going back to the start of the show, uh, looking at a statement by uh, Prime Minister Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim uh, today in Parliament, where he talked about the need to destigmatize mental health challenges. So we're asking you, are people more comfortable talking about mental health? Have you become more aware of your own mental health? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So we have some messages that have come in. Uh, Let's start with this one from Anon, who says, I'm a suicide attempt survivor, diagnosed with depression since I was 22. I'm I'm 33 now. Um, Yes, stigma is still very present. My family still says it's an attention-seeking phase. Depression is not real. Sleep well, eat well, exercise well. Then no more depression. My dad even said that I wasn't working hard enough if I had time to be depressed. Um, Anon, thank uh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I am sorry that you are not getting the kind of understanding that you need um, for what you're going through. Uh, sadly, sadly, I think these sorts of responses or this kind of conversation is still so prevalent around the issue of mental health struggles. Okay, so actually, this was something that I wanted to talk about today, um, which is maybe which is something that I brought up a little bit earlier, right? The question of how intent and reality can collide. Mm. Because I I think that the truth of it is that... um the truth of it is that because a lot of us are still uncomfortable around the invisible 
struggle that is mental health um, because we might not necessarily know how to react to it because you might not even trust it, right? You don't fully understand what it's about if it's something you yourself have, has, if you haven't experienced it, that it can be difficult to manage the challenge that someone else's mental health can present in your own life. And I think maybe we don't talk about that enough either, that that might be part and parcel of why people don't react the way you might want or the way you hope people might react because um, because of this. No, you're right. I mean, there, there are so many complex issues here, right? Uh, we often hear about how... Um, people caring for someone with mental health challenges uh, can often struggle themselves with mental health because it is uh, something that uh, can can require a lot of capacity and a lot of resource um, but I think some of this is some of this also goes back to just the silence and the and the and the taboos that that arise when we talk about something as significant as uh, in the case of the anonymous listener, depression or suicide ideation, and how for a lot of people, um, the knee-jerk reaction is to pull away or to sort of minimize or simplify what that issue might be, because often working on something like a mental health issue requires a lot, both from that person and the people around them. It may also be that people caring about you means that they want you to be better. And just do it now. Yes. Just yes. feel better. What? I'm not making you feel better? <laughs> feel better. And and I think that that can also be part of the frustration. I'm not saying that that's what's happening in Anon's case. But um, again, I, I think that this is just something that I've, I've heard and seen a lot of. Yeah, yeah. It's just sending in uh, a, a little um, image that says it's okay not to be okay, which is which is something that I've, I've seen many people share online when people talk about um, struggling with mental health issues. You know, maybe maybe all our talk can really be boiled down to, firstly, it's okay to not be okay <laughs> and, yes. and letting people know that. Um, but the other thing is our caller, Lee, earlier um, also said, if you feel you need help, seek help. It helps. <laughs> um, I know I'm saying help a lot, but I, I thought that that was a very a very powerful thing and maybe that's just the two big takeaways to go from this evening. Benjamin says, uh, on a less cynical note, um, earlier Benjamin talked about the, uh, I suppose, the proliferation of therapy speak. Uh, but Benjamin says, on a less cynical note, I have encountered multiple health professionals, psychiatrists and clinical psychologists, and they're tremendously open and accepting to help. To those who feel that they need help or they're not sure, don't be afraid to seek it. Sometimes it's a lot closer than it seems. Thank you, Benjamin. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time to represent the uh, the spectrum of opinion that can exist on this. Keep your thoughts coming. Are people more comfortable talking about mental health? Have you become more aware of your own mental health? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9. It is 7.18. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And uh, we've been asking you, are people more comfortable talking about mental health now? Have you become more aware of your own mental health? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp to 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Let's start with a voice note that's come in. This is from Sharon. It is a very complex issue and uh, one of the weird things I find personally is how I react to it when it's a mental health issue and it comes from a friend, a colleague or an older relative. I am supportive, 
I take the effort to go and see how to respond. I encourage them to seek medical advice. Um, and I'm doing all the right things, or so I think, lah. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I am actually like consider myself somebody who's accepting and uh, understanding of mental health issues. But um, there came a point in my life when it was coming from my child. So it came from my own children, own child saying that they have issues and all that. Then I find myself uh, uh, tending to dismiss it or to kind of judge them for like just exaggerating or jumping on the bandwagon or and blaming like the increased awareness on mental health issue in perpetuating this new young generation of uh, kids who all uh, vocally at saying I have an issue I have a, this is affecting my mental health and being dismissive about it so it is very complex and um, uh, and I'm just explaining my natural reaction yeah so I'm trying to be a bit more understanding, uh, but um, yeah, that is the first natural impulse. Uh, so whoever is the one claiming to be the mental health, when it's a stranger, when it's somebody else, I think we, I'm able to deal with it better. But when it's someone close to you, it's your family, it, it, I mean, if it's your child, I think the guilt you feel as a parent <laughs> sets in and you try to push their claims away. Sharon, thank you for that. Actually, a very honest message. Um, and honestly, I feel like it's so relatable for a lot of people. Yes. And um, and actually, relatable is one thing. But Sharon, I, I just appreciate the honesty because I I think it's so true that that when it's something close to you, it's a really complex blend of emotions, um, especially if you think about mental health, perhaps in the same way as you might think about a chronic or long-term health struggle that someone might have. No, uh, be- because then you, you start to get a sense of how many months or, or years, perhaps, yes. that you might be loving somebody who is going through a serious struggle. And I also think that the it's also a fear of the unknown, right? Because unknowns on several levels. On the one hand, uh, we still don't really have a huge amount of information on what various mental health challenges are. On the other hand, unknown also, like you said, in terms of time. How long might this take? What does care look like? What does support mean? Um, and then when you add in the layer of being a parent, there's also that idea of, well, did I somehow? maybe not do my job well so there are multiple things and then I do think that yeah thank you Sharon I, I think that was actually quite a quite an eye-opening thing to listen to um, Anon also says people do feel guilty about not taking good care of family and friends with mental health issues the guilt can be one of the reasons for not wanting to accept uh, people who do have such issues especially true if they are the parents um, who are or, or people who are responsible for their child's upbringing no absolutely I think that that really does make sense. We have a caller on the line. Uh, good evening, Julia. What are your thoughts? Good evening. My thoughts are uh, people are still not very comfortable to speak about mental health issues simply because of the stigma being associated with that. And also, um, if you do speak about it, who do you speak about it to? Because not too many people are aware as to what to do. Who do you go to? And uh, for me personally, sometimes I am aware of my of my mental health, but sometimes I'm not. So it's you know it's still um, I'm still on you know crossroads around that one. 
Thank you. Julia, I'm, uh, before we let you go, I'm actually curious about whether these are conversations that you feel are now perhaps more easy, uh, easier to have with, say, friends or family or relatives. Uh, it's an easy conversation, but, you know, a lot of us, we don't know what to do. We don't know what kind mm. of advice do we give because I think in my generation, we grew up believing that if you have a mental health issue, uh, something is really wrong with you. You have to go see a psychiatrist and things like that. So we were not encouraged to speak about these things uh, publicly. And it was always, you know, put uh, put aside or ignored. So I, I don't really know. But, I, I, but, you know, but when I speak to the younger generation, they're more aware of it and they, um, they speak about it because it seems to be like a like a fashion statement i'm going for you know therapy and and things like that i mean this is just my my own personal opinion but i believe that if you know if if there was more awareness around this it would be great but then also we need to also create awareness as in who do you go to and if we were to seek uh consulting or you know consultation from uh, mental health experts can they keep it as a secret or are they going to be talking about it? So these are, you know, conversations I've heard people talking about. Julia, thank you for getting in touch and for sharing. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, well, yeah, uh, what I'm thinking is that how we grew up is sometimes really difficult to detach from. Even if, even if things yes. have changed, even if conversations now are easier, if you grew up in a time where Tanjung Rambutan jokes were a dime mm. a dozen, uh, it doesn't really make that much of a difference to you sometimes. So it takes a very long time to get there. We also have this from Zul, who says, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was a teenager. The diagnosis was pretty late into my childhood. I didn't know how to deal with it then. My parents were also unsure about how to deal with it. They blamed my compulsion and my overactive energy to ADHD, and that didn't put me in a good mental state. It resulted in a lot of issues, a phase in my life that I'm not very much proud of. However, as I grew older, I think it helped to have friends and colleagues that understood and were aware about mental health. They don't make fun of it. Now that I think of it, it's helped me, quote unquote, cure ADHD in some way or another. I think a supportive system is important and the need for support is usually overlooked. Sometimes it's as easy as just letting it out, but other times people need to ask their neighbour, um, are you okay? So thank you for your message. In the meantime, oh, we do have a voice note that's come in. This is from uh, Ida. Hi, I would like to reach out to parents with teenagers with mental health issues. Uh, I'm my daughter, she's 19 now, but she had mental health issues since she was about 13 or 14. Um, after a while, she started cutting herself, having suicidal thoughts, not joining the family for meals, keeping into her, in her room, um, not telling us what's happening. So uh, how I dealt with it was I was super, 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 extremely patient. I don't know where I find such patience, but I think God played a very vital role, uh, very patient, uh, very understanding and um, very uh, a lot of give and take, um, actually more give than take and, um, um, and not pushing her to do things, not talking about her results, which actually 
she was doing well. I, I actually can't understand how because she missed so much school. But um, anyway, uh, a lot of support and um, uh, no pushing, even not pushing her to see the psychologist. I kept on asking her whether she wanted to see a psychologist until one day she said yes and I took her. And then uh, after a few sessions, she said she wanted to stop because the psychologist wasn't helping because the psychologist was telling her you should do this, you should do that, you know, it, it wasn't helping. She wasn't listening, but telling her what to do. And after the psychologist, I kept on asking her, would you like to see a psychiatrist instead? Then because the, then you'll have medication to help you be sleeping and stuff like that. Again, I didn't push her until one day she said, yes, she's ready for a psychiatrist. And somehow she clicked with this psychiatrist. And I did ask her along the way that why did she... Uh, keep on going back to the psychiatrist she said that uh, she knew that she needed help and and who else was she gonna tell you know uh, all her issues with so there were a lot of hugs um, every time when she comes out from the room there were a lot of hugs there's no question of on her behavior um, after seeing the psychiatrist I'll hug her and and cry with her you know uh, but now, after a while, she took her medication and she got better. And now she is actually doing pretty well. She's in uh, uni now and doing a program that she loves to do. And she's doing all her assignments, going for classes. When she was in Form 5, it was so bad that she missed, she refused to go for her trial exam. And I had to make plans with the teacher on Plan A. If she don't sit for her trial, if she don't sit for her SPM, what happened? You know, then I'm going to, you know, let her do other courses that doesn't need uh, SPM certificate or receipt. I had all these plans for her. But when the results came out, she had uh, four A's which I think the pandemic helped a lot because perhaps the passing rate, you know, the passing grade has dropped. I'm not sure. But uh, now she's doing well. So what I want to say to parents who have got teens is not to argue because we've got better things to quarrel and to worry about and um, uh, to be very, very extremely supportive and extremely patient. Thank you. Ida, thank you for that. And I think that's the perfect note to end our show on. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.